the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To get an additional ten- the following program is sponsored by The Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy has a song in his heart. I sing because I'm happy. And I sing because I'm free. I sing because his eye is on the sparrow. And he watches over me. That's the greatest thing to sing about, singing on the Savior, singing about the grace of God in our hearts, with grace in our hearts. Remember when you first heard about God's amazing grace that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins, resurrecting to bring you into everlasting life. It's good news that for centuries has made men and women sing. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy is talking about singing unto our Savior. And when you know the grace and salvation of Jesus, there's no stopping that everlasting song. Let's join in the melody that we'll be singing for eternity as Philip presents the stirring conclusion in part two of Join the Song. I want to come back to a text we started to look at in Colossians 3, verse 16, a message entitled, Join the Song. Look what Paul says. He tells us to let the Word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Notice, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The grace of God in our hearts produces a song from our hearts that escapes through our lips concerning the grace of God in our hearts. There's singing grace. But why? I mean, why should you sing? There's several reasons in the text, and I've added a couple to them. So if you're taking notes, you might want to start. I don't know how this worked out, but they all start with A. Here's the first reason. Here's the first function. Singing is an act of association. It's a matter of expressing unity together. Come, let us exalt his name together. This is an individualized worship. This isn't you singing in your car or singing in the shower or singing around the family table. And all of that's beautiful, by the way. But here's the deal. It's an act of unity. It's an act of association. They were to get together and sing. I love Psalm 149, verse 1, where it talks about singing in the assembly of the saints singing in the assembly of the saints. That's a Christian thing. But singing gathers us together, holds us together. It's not only an act of association, it's an act of affirmation. Singing is an act of affirmation. It's a telling of the truth. It's an echoing of the word that's dwelling in your heart that you just heard at church in the sermon but you want to give expression to your own emotions and your own commitment, 
Notice again our text. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Notice teaching and admonishing one another with or in or through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Did you realize that songs are teaching tools? Singing doctrinally substantial songs educates God's people, baptizes us into a knowledge of Jesus Christ that allows us to know Him better, witness for Him better, love Him better, worship Him better. Songs make Scripture memorable. Songs not allow us to express Scripture. Songs allow us to receive and remember Scripture. Let me go on. An act of amplification. Not only association, affirmation, but amplification. Now, we warned about the danger of emotions, but here I want to quickly correct, or at least balance that by saying we can never deny emotions. But emotion is different from emotionalism. Doesn't Paul say in Philippians 5, 19, a corresponding text to our text, make melody in your heart to the Lord? So we receive the truth in our mind, but it's got to get into our heart. We've got to feel it. We've got to be moved by it. We've got to own it. We've got to personalize it. And that sermon, properly preached and properly received, will produce worship and melody in the heart. It will be an emotional experience, and that emotion will want to find an outlet, and that outlet is singing. Visceral singing. Emotional worship. There's nothing wrong with that. Worship in song and music amplifies our emotions, gives expression to our emotions. I like what Sam Storms says about that in a book, Singing God. Singing enables the soul to express deeply felt emotions that merely speaking cannot. Singing channels our spiritual energy in a way that nothing else can. Singing evokes an intensity of mind and spirit. It opens the door to ideas, feelings, and affections that otherwise might have remained forever imprisoned in the depths of one's heart. Well said, Sam. He's right. Let me put it like this. You know this experience. It was my experience, and I thought about it. You're moved by a sermon, a theological thought, a truth about Jesus Christ, about heaven and hell, about redemption, about God's grace, about God's providence. Something like that grabs you, and you get so moved, you're kind of stuttering within your own soul. You can't put it into words. How do I express this feeling? Words seem so poor right now to express, or at least my words do. Now, either at that point, you've got two options. When you get to that point where your soul is kind of stuttering out of excitement, it's like, you know, someone's excited, they're trying to tell, you know, what are you saying? Get it out. You can be at that place spiritually. You've got two options. Either just be silent and let that melody work itself out in your heart. Or, and this is where singing comes in, Let someone else better than you give you words you couldn't have put together. But they wrote them in a song. And that song allows your soul to move from stuttering to singing. And that is the beauty of singing. It allows our emotions to be amplified. It gives our emotions words that we couldn't, you know. But the hymn writers of yesterday and the songwriters of today give us voice beautiful. Now, before I leave that thought, move on quickly. I did think about this. This is kind of to turn that thought on its head. Singing allows our emotions to speak, okay? 
gives expression to our emotions, and we're thankful for that. But I want to turn that on its head because this is also important. Singing not only allows our emotions to speak, singing speaks to our emotions. Singing has an emotional impact. It brings you to tears. It can move you physically where you put your hands up. Music and singing is emotional, and it's meant to be. And in its proper place and in its proper proportion, it's a gift of God's grace where it ministers to us. Music can even do that by itself. Write down 1 Samuel 16, verse 23. Remember, Saul had an evil spirit. Saul was quite often depressed. And you read that David would come and play before him, and it would calm his spirit. It would affect him emotionally. I think we've all been there when we're depressed or discouraged. Sometimes all you can do, maybe amidst your tears, is lie on a couch and listen to music. And let the words and the music speak to your soul and soothe your soul and calm your spirit. What about Acts 16.25? Paul and Silas are held up in the Philippian jail. It's midnight. You know what you read in Acts 16, verse 25? And at midnight they sang hymns. They allowed those songs, is the implication, to minister to them at a difficult time in their life. They were singing not only to allow their emotions to be expressed, but allow singing to shape their emotions and speak into their emotions. Job describes music as bringing joy in Job 21, verse 12. Jesus in Matthew eleven seventeen refers to music and its ability to either make people dance or mourn. But the point is, it affects emotions. My friends, singing and music affects the soul, and good singing and good music affect the soul in a good way. Listen to good music. Listen to good singing. Have some worship CDs in your car. Be playing music in your home. Don't miss the gathering of God's people. Let's sing in the assembly of the saints, because not only does singing allow us to express our emotions, it actually shapes our emotions, makes us joyful, God-centered, and gospel-centered. Several years ago, I listened to Ed Dobson, who was the pastor of Calvary Church in Grand Rapids, connected to Moody Bible School. He spoke before six, seven hundred pastors. He was dying with Lou Gehrig's disease. It would be a couple more years before it would actually take his life. And it was a powerful time. He shared lessons he was learning. One of the lessons he said he was learning was that sorrow had driven him to song and song had helped him with his sorrow. Because song allowed him to express his inner thoughts and his confusion and his concerns. And then good songs, spirituals, spoke into his life. And he talked about Negro spirituals that administered to him through his sickness. And he raised the question that he had raised to himself one day. He says, why is it that black churches can sing the way they do? They can sing better than any other kind of church. And he came to this conclusion is because of the black story of slavery and sorrow. Their songs are soulish because of the sorrow they've gone through, because of the trials that beat upon their lives. 
And in the middle of that, those that found Christ found a song, and that song gave expression to sorrow and lament and joy and aspiration from the heart. And then those songs sung among the slaves spoke to them, give them hope, give them faith, and shaped the whole people. It's true. I've always reflected on that. While there's probably a natural giftedness that helps explain that also, their songs were forged in sorrow. And that's what makes them so powerful. In fact, I was reading just yesterday that during the ugly chapter of slavery in this country, African slaves who'd come to faith in Jesus Christ and who were forbidden by their evil masters to sing would go down by the river, and as they were doing laundry, they would take wet sheets and put them on lines to form like these walls. And in the middle of these wet sheets, they would take a bucket of water and sing into the bucket of water. They would absorb their sound. But the song that the Lord had put in their hearts would be able to escape as they worshiped in the midst of their sorrow. Powerful. Singing is emotional. That's what makes it dangerous. But that's what makes it beautiful. And you know what? When you and I sing, it's an act of amplification. We express our emotion, and good songs shape our emotions. Here's another thought, an act of attrition. Singing is an act of attrition. Now, what do I mean by attrition? If you look up an English dictionary, the word attrition means the act of wearing someone or something down. In war, it would speak of exhausting your enemy by constant attack. And singing is an act of spiritual warfare. It's an act of attrition where we wear the enemy down, where we send him packing. Singing is our battle cry, where we announce, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, that the Lord Jesus Christ leads us in triumph always. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. And you know, our songs are declarations of victory in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross, and they are a message of defeat to the enemy. They know it, and when they hear it, they run. I like what Luther, the Protestant reformer, said. He's right. Music is a gift and a grace of God, not an invention of man. Thus it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. The devil, the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless troubles, flees before the sound of music almost as much as before the Word of God. That's why the enemies of the Protestant Reformation said of Luther that his songs did more harm than his sermons. We don't have time to go there, but the passage you might want to look at is Second Chronicles 20. It's the story of Judah under King Jehoshaphat. They're being attacked from the southeast by the Ammonites, the Moabites, threatening peace and prosperity in the kingdom. King Jehoshaphat goes before the Lord, and in response to God working in his heart, he gets the troops together. But interestingly, go to Second Chronicles 20. In front of the troops, he puts a choir and a musical band. And the soldiers march, being led by worshiping priests. And if you read the story, they get to the camp of their enemies, and God has taken care of their enemies. And they return celebrating the victory in which they never lifted the sword. They lifted a song. But Luther's right. The devil flees at the sound of a singing congregation. Don't forget, he was a worship leader before he fell. He hates worship. It reminds him of what he once was, what he's not, and what he will be forever, defeated and doomed. In fact, I wrote a 
devotion once called Fight Songs. And I was interested to learn that the place the songs or bands had in the Civil War. In 1864, the Confederate General Robert E. Lee writes, I don't think we could have an army without music. In 1865, the Union rival, General Philip Sheridan, orders his bands forward with this order. Play the gassed tunes, play them loud, keep playing them, and never mind even if a bullet goes through the trombone or the trombonist. Well, that's okay if you're not a trombonist, right? But here he, he said, hey, let's go to war with our fight songs. This is what my studies discovered. During the Civil War, the U.S. Army, the federal troops, had 618 bands composed of 28,000 musicians. That was one bandsman for every 41 soldiers. It's quite a ratio. And the Confederates had something similar to that. Here's what's interesting, man. You not all the generals liked that emphasis. In fact, one Confederate soldier asked his commanding officer if he could transfer into the military band or the regimental band. And Confederate commander Daniel H. Hill wrote this reply in February of 1862. He wrote this, respectfully forwarded, disapproved. Shooters are more needed than tutors. You're not going to go and toot some trumpet. I need you with a musket. Well, you and I understand spiritually, man, tutors are as important as shooters. Worshipping Christians are warring Christians. And the devil flees at the sound of a singing soul focused on a triumphant Savior. Now, time's gone. Here would be the last one. It's a very short one. Singing on the Savior. Singing on the Savior. Because where do we end here? Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Our worship is focused on Christ and all that He is and all He has done and all that He remains forever to His people. And you know what? Many of your translations probably have this singing with thanksgiving in your hearts, but that doesn't do the Greek justice because this word is a Greek word that can be translated grace or thanksgiving. It's from the same family of words, but it has a definite article attached to it in the Greek. So I think most commentators are right when they point out here that the focus of the definite article is sing with the grace you've experienced in your heart to the Lord. Speaking about the act of salvation, God's grace is the realm in which the praise of God ascends. The Christian exalts in the grace of God out of an experience of the grace of God. Amen? That's singing on the Savior. Oh, there's a lot of things we can sing about, a lot of things to be thankful for. Food and clothing, warmth of a home, the love of a family, gainful employment, solid and loyal friends, religious liberty, political freedom. I mean, we could go on down the list. But none greater than the gift of eternal life. What would it be to enjoy all those things I just mentioned and go to hell forever? Lose your soul, having gained the world. Comfort to be snatched from this life and dropped into an everlasting hell where you'll be tormented endlessly forever, where your conscience will smite you each and every day for having heard the gospel and rejecting it. Oh, there's nothing greater than to be a brand plucked from the burning, to be a soul saved by the grace of God, kept by the power of God, looking forward to an inheritance in heaven reserved for you and me. 
That's the greatest thing to sing about, singing on the Savior, singing about the grace of God in our hearts, with grace in our hearts. We are what we are by the grace of God. I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free. I sing because his eye is on the sparrow, and he watches over me. It's a wonderful thing amidst his creation that God would look upon you and me each and every day and own us as his child and say, there's my daughter and there's my son purchased at the price of my own son's death. Grace is a wonderful thing and it's the best of things. When you sing Amazing Grace, remember that it was written out of the context of the life of John Newton a man who was once a slave trader along the coast of Africa, but found Christ off the coast of Ireland in a storm. And every year he would look back on his life and marvel that God would ever show such a wretch his mercy. His sins, his treatment of the slaves haunted him to his dying day, and he only found peace in conscience and soul through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now one year reflecting on God's grace upon the anniversary of his conversion, he wrote, Amazing grace, I sweep the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's why he said many times in his life, when he gets to heaven, there'll be three surprises. Number one, there'll be people not there he expected to be there. There'll be people there he didn't expect to be there. But the greatest surprise of all, that John Newton would be there. The fact that Towards the end, when he was losing his mind, towards his death, he said, I've forgotten most of things, but two things I remember. I'm a great sinner, and Jesus is a great Savior. You can go a long way with those two thoughts, and they'll help you to sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for our time in the Word. May it dwell in our hearts richly. May it cause us to sing with grace in our hearts by means of songs and hymns and psalms. Make us a singing congregation. Lord, help us with our voice to shout, He is risen, and we have been raised with Christ. And heaven is our home, and God is our Father, and Jesus our brother. Lord, help us indeed to see the importance of singing in the life of the church and Help us to express it in a way that glorifies you. For we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our teacher, Philip DeCourcy, teaching us the importance of singing grace here on Know the Truth. Today's message is called Join the Song from our Total Grace series. Catch up on previous messages you might have missed when you go to ktt.org. Online, you'll also find the Know the Truth listener survey. Be sure to let your voice be heard, because after all, this is your ministry. Throughout this study, Philip reminds us that it's grace that calls us to Christ, grace that calls us to change, and grace that calls us to sing. At Know the Truth, we're delivering messages like today so you can develop the biblical confidence to lean on God's grace in every situation. It's why we began this Bible teaching ministry more than eight years ago, taking the teachings of Philip DeCourcy outside the church walls. And every month, we're reaching more men and women with God's truth, the truth that proclaims His amazing grace. Help us continue this Bible teaching ministry when you make a generous donation online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. 
And when you give today, we'll send you a book titled Grace-Focused Optimism by C.L. Chase. Get ready to infuse your soul with God's life-giving, soul-satisfying grace. This book explores how grace empowers our everyday lives. Request your copy of Grace-Focused Optimism when you make a generous donation to Know the Truth. Call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And when you visit our website, you'll notice we're offering a free CD message from Philip called A New Beginning. It's the first message from the current Total Grace series. Request this free CD message when you call us at 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd. so glad you joined us today. There's more bold Bible teaching coming up next time when Philip continues to look at the many dimensions of God's total grace. That's Monday on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. play As You Like It, Shakespeare described death as mere oblivion, without eyes, and without everything. Hi, this is Lon Solomon, and is this what death really is, mere oblivion? Well, the Bible says no. The Bible says after we die, we remain conscious and awake and completely self-aware for all of eternity, but in one of two locations. We're either awake and aware in heaven, or we're awake and aware in hell. And what determines our eternal location? Well, pure and simple, it's whether we embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior while we were here on earth. Not a sermon, just a thought. For more information on Not a Sermon, Just a Thought, you can check out our website at notasermon.com. That's notasermon.com. three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.